Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to another episode of Editor's Note. I'm Eir Pinto, and together with me is TV7's Editor-in-Chief, Jonathan Hassan. How are you doing? Praise God. Doing well. Great, great. I hope that your cough is getting better since the uh, last program. You're feeling a bit better? I hope so. Yes, this is definitely a uh, winter season, and what can we do? But uh, last program, we really... Um, promised our viewers that we will go deeper into the effects and the umbrella of, uh, of Iran in the Middle East and how it all evolves. But before we dive into that, I would like also to, to pray that God will join us here. Mm-hmm. So please uh, join me back at home in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that you are in control of the situation in Israel, in the Middle East, in the world, and in our lives. We pray that you will lead this program, lead uh, Jonathan and us in sharing what's going on in Israel and the Middle East and how it affects uh, your plan and how it goes together with your plans for this region. And please show us how can we take part in prayer, in support, in action. Bless our viewers, bless our staff here. Keep us safe and also bless Jonathan that he will be healed completely from this cough. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. I think before we dive into all these events and all the explanations about the situation, I would like if you maybe could start reading um, a verse from uh, Psalm 91. It's a bit uh, of an encouragement. You'll start in Hebrew and I'll follow up in English. Okay, no problem. Psalm 91, Teilim Tzadik Aleph. Yoshev Beseter Elyon, Betzel Shaddai Itnonen. Omar le Adonai Machasi Umetzidoti, Elohai Evtach Bo. Kihu Yatzilcham Mipach Yakush, Midever Havot. בעברתו יסח לך, בתחת כנפיו תחסה, צינה וסחרה אמתו. לא תירא מפחד לילה, מחץ יעוף יומם, מדבר באופל יהלך, מקוטב ישות צהריים, יפול מצדך אלף ורבבה מימינך, אליך לא ייגש, רק בעיניך תביט, ושלומת רשעים תראה, כי אתה אדוני מחסי, עליון. ושמת מעונך, לא תענה אליך רעה, ונוגה לא יקרב באוהלך, כי מלאכיו יצבו לך, ושומרך בכל דרכך, על כנפיים ישנוך, בן תגף באבן רגלך, על שחל ופתן תדרוך, ותרמוס כפיר ותנין, כי בי חשק ואפלתהו אסגבהו, כי ידע שמי, יקראני ואענני, עמו אנוכי בצרה, אכלצהו ואכבדהו. אורך ימים אשביעהו ואראהו בישועתי. אמן. אמן ואמן. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. 
Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous uh, pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your right side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you, you up, lest, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall trend, uh, tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. 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 You know what uh, stood up for me? Is this whole, you know, Psalm talks about God being so powerful and controls the ability and snakes and thousands of soldiers will fall on my right and... In all of this huge power, he says, I, uh, I, God, will know your name. Mm. So, you know, it's amazing that as big as and huge as God is, he's personal. He knows each and it's And it's amazing that it's written in the first person. Mm-hmm. It's God speaking. Uh, yeah. And, and this is a significant psalm. Actually, uh, ironically, at the beginning, you said, Yoshev Beseter Elion Betzal. Betzel Shaddai Itlonen and not Itlonan. There's a difference. Yes. Itlonen means will complain. Itlonan means I will um, lalun. I will. I, I will. I will rest. Rest. I will under, sleep. Yes. Right. So, uh, why is it significance and why I just raised it because it came to mind is that it says. Uh, uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And if you say Tlonen means shall complain under the shadow of the Almighty. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> Unfortunately, we complain too much. That's true. You know, I, I really uh, believe uh, there's always something to complain about. <laughs> but it is important for us to be, um, to take things in proportion. To understand that God, the Almighty, knows our name. He knows who we are. And we should trust in him for his namesake. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, when we project frustrations at a time when we proclaim to be sons and daughters of the Most High, what does it do if not uh, diminish the significance of being servants of the Most High? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we cannot voice frustration or be 
in in a state of despair because look around us the the world is undergoing um, changes radical changes that are evil there there's so much evil in this world nevertheless with our most high god we have the solace of abiding under the shadow of the almighty mm-hmm. of being able to dwell in the most secret place of the mm-hmm. most high so yeah. praise the lord for that definitely and and god also said that by the love you share for each other you will be recognized Amen. by everybody so, absolutely and also he said you know rejoice in the lord so it's two things you know love and joy and happiness mm. in the eyes of the lord are something that we have power over we can choose to be happy in the Lord. We have lots of reasons to be happy. We have lots of reasons to love each other. And it's not just a choice. It's a commandment mm-hmm. that God wants us to do. So praise the Lord that he's in control. I think it's really important to start Always. programs like this, especially where we dive deeper in events that affect thousands, millions of people's lives in the Middle East uh, with a hopeful message that God is in control of everything. And now let's tell you what's wrong. <laughs> uh, let's tell you what to pray about. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now, now we're going to explain the situation and ask you back at home to really pray because we know God is in control. And that's how he wants. He wants us to be part and not just to be bystanders. Amen. Yeah. You know? uh, absolutely. That's, the, that's the, the power of free will that he gave us. And I think it's also important, even though we do broadcast primarily mm-hmm. on, on cable television, satellite, and, and other platforms uh, that are not engaging with our viewers, uh, if you do watch us on YouTube uh, or on, on other social media platforms, share, uh, reach mm-hmm. out to your friends, see how you can partake with our program. But also if you watch on, on the conservative channels, if we may call it that way, um, do so. Uh, reach out, share it with your um, uh, small groups, with your churches. Mm-hmm. We're seeking to reach more and more people all over the world and to do so together for uh, the sake of our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And uh, by doing so, we'll be able also to impact mm-hmm more nations, we will be able to uh, combat deception. Uh, as I always say, you know, 1917, Hiram Johnson speaking before U.S. entry into World War I. Um, the first casualty of war is truth. And if we do not come as believers who stand with God, who stand with the Almighty, who is the definition of truth, mm-hmm. to uh, battle deception that seeks to uh, combat the truth of, of God, of our faith, um, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, so, so this is something uh, important on my heart. No, definitely. And uh, this is how basically all of TV7 Israel is structured. So we have the, the news programs, current event programs that give really professional journalism and information to the viewers back at home. And then we have the faith-based programs that really give you guys back at home an option to pray, to dig into the world, into the word. And of course, everything is connected. There's no two different. You can't be a believer on one side and then be, uh, I don't know, a normal person in your work. It's part of you in every day of your your life. Uh, But I think we really want to go and to dig deeper into the situation in the Middle East. So 
with a you know shift to the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal. How is it protecting the world from Iran acquiring a bomb? Well, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action was actually never signed. Uh, so this is one thing. Um, it was ratified by the UN Security Council, mm -hmm. uh, which adopted a resolution 2231 to advance basically a uh, regime of restrictions on Iran's nuclear program uh, that is supposed to be verifiable mm -hmm. by uh, a mandate granted to the International Atomic Energy Agency that would then consequently reassure the international community that Iran is not pursuing a nuclear program, but at the same time, it also aims to um, provide Iran benefits with it. Mm -hmm. In other words, Iran will be able to uh, engage as a um, legitimate standing member of the international community by trading with countries on multiple areas of, of interest. Um, let, let me highlight something. The majority of uh, crucial businesses in Iran are revolutionary centralized, meaning that the central bank, the, the energy markets, um, the, the most vital uh, infrastructures of Iran, telecommunications and so on, they're all owned um, privately, so to speak, by the revolutionary guards. Oh, so it's not the, the, these are not private uh, companies for majority for profit. Indeed. So uh, there is a reason why they did that. The uh, Iranian method basically said, okay, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, mm -hmm. which is engaged in advancing Tehran's revolutionary aspirations for, for regional dominance and more so, um, is going to be sanctioned at some point for terror-related activities. They already anticipated that in Tehran. So what they said was, okay, we're going to combine uh, this with humanitarian aspects. Okay. So in other words, if you now target the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, and just for mm -hmm. uh, the sake of our discussion, I'll call them in their acronym, the RGC. Mm -hmm. If you target them, you're going to impact the humanitarian situation in Iran. Ah, because they're in charge of also you know, providing oil, food, health benefits. They benefit from that, okay. fiscally. Okay, so let's take Hezbollah, for instance. Hezbollah, it controls the Ministry of Health. It controls the Ministry of Information in Lebanon. It owns many um, things within Lebanon that ultimately, if you sanction Hezbollah, it's going to impact Lebanon. Wow, so basically, if, if the West decides to sanction Hezbollah, then the people of Lebanon suffer because they have less money for their hospital and stuff like that. And then they are easily blaming the West for their troubles. So that's that's how the situation is built. Well, Hezbollah maybe is uh, a bad um, example because it controls the Shiite neighborhoods, the Shiite areas. There are also the Druze areas there, the Christian areas there. Within the Christians, you have the Orthodox, the Maronites. Of course, you have the, the Sunnah Muslims. And then also with that, you have different camps. 
it's a, a whole conundrum of yeah, challenges. Yeah, each of them have their own representatives. But let, let's go to Yemen, mm -hmm. okay? Um, the former U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, sanctioned the Houthis. Uh, the Houthis calling themselves Ansar Allah, okay? The, the, basically, um, the warriors of God or mm -hmm. uh, sort of um, that. But their official motto is death to America, death to Israel, curse the Jews, and victory for Islam, which is derived... Whose motto is that? That sounds similar to Hamas's motto. No, so. actually, it's the Islamic Revolutionary Guards. Ah, okay. Okay, the RGC. So they started to copy the RGC in many aspects. The RGC sent advisors to this poor tribe of northwestern uh, Yemen, where we can see here on the map, they were actually in this area of Yemen for mm -hmm. quite some time. Now... Um, they've been battling with AK-47s and RPGs, you know, simple weapons that were easy to, to contend with. And suddenly they started gaining more and more weaponry. They started having ballistic missiles at some point, uh, uh, UASs, unmanned aerial systems uh, laden with explosives, where suddenly they started copycatting wh uh, what the Islamic State or Daesh w were doing in the battlefield in Iraq and Syria. Mm. So they were learning from the Quds Force, from the RGC, what exactly should um, happen in the battlefield, how they need to organize themselves and how to establish. Now, going back to mm -hmm. Mike Pompeo, he designated Ansar Allah as a terrorist organization. Several days, merely several days, before the Biden administration took office. In less than a month, under extreme pressure from humanitarian organizations saying that this impacts the humanitarian situation in Yemen, the uh, Biden administration decided to... Uh, uh, revocate or to lift the sanctions basically on Ansar Allah instead only you know pinpointing the leaders of the Houthis even though yeah. it doesn't impact them at all all right now if you look at the situation why did they revocate this uh, designation because the Houthis managed to establish the same system as in Iran where the the Ansar Allah owns basically everything uh -huh. of vital humanitarian importance in the land. The humanitarian organizations then transfer money into uh, the, the country. They purchase stipends, okay, mm -hmm. uh, um, letters or whatever, give it to the people living there. And they need to go and buy from stores that are owned by the Houthis in order to receive their daily goods and stuff. To receive the daily goods, because the Houthis control the ports, the port of Hodeida and, and elsewhere. They control okay. Sana'a, they control those areas. So suddenly you have a construct that is being well thought over, dictated by Iran, clearly manifested in its proxy states and proxy areas. And uh, this challenges Western societies because Western society... And, and countries who seek to establish humanitarian uh, um, ideals and, and understandings for good reason. They want to benefit the, the poor people mm -hmm. who have nothing to do with the conflict. Ultimately, they fall into this because they don't have another way to deal with this. Yeah, and that's, and that's all 
in effect because Iran sent their advisors to teach these proxies how to build these structures? Uh, the RGC has special advisors to teach them how to act, what to do. Just to give you uh, quite an interesting, I had just recently a, a short conversation with some um, um, person who works for a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while speaking with her, she, she was uh, talking about their work and how they're, you know, um, confronting uh, companies and corporations about the, the various uh, specifics that are conducted um, by those corporations in investments in Judea and Samaria and the West Bank, okay. um, which, according to them, is, you know, uh, against international law, they're dealing with settlements and yada, yeah, yada. occupied territories and all these yes so I asked her and other than corporations from the United States or Europe or Australia or Canada or anywhere westernized do you also deal with China do you deal with countries like Turkey or uh, countries like uh, you know different countries that work actively work in those areas mm-hmm. uh, so she told me no we don't deal with them because we don't have the legal manifest or the legal framework to confront those corporations because whatever they're doing is legal in their country I see so the the methods being used the, the activities undertaken by terrorist organizations by NGOs, which are not the same, but they they do operate alike uh, with regard to Western civilization, is to understand that the system in democratic societies can be beaten. Mm. And it can be beaten in such a way that uh, will ultimately benefit those who don't care about this at all. Wow. Okay. Oh, this is really, really interesting because when you talk about and you think about terrorist organizations, think about about a bunch of radical people hiding somewhere with guns and doing bombs. And you don't think about the, the structure, ideology, and thinking behind this. And this is basically what makes it so hard to battle. Because who are you, like, who are you sanctioning? I mean, if I sanction basically the people, the, the poor person. So let me put things in perspective. We're talking about a tribal society mm. in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, in uh, the whole Arab world. Okay? Even Israel. We are a tribal society. We have Sfaradim, Ashkenazim, each one coming from Morocco, or this or that. It's a lot less than it used to be, but it's yes. still very tribal from your points of origin mm-hmm. from what are the things that connect you with those who you see as pure uh, people. And as such, when you look at the military, for instance, you see that uh, the the unit that you go to, you are very close to the people who were in your unit. You will act towards them very mm-hmm. differently, even if they're 10 or 15 years later. Yes, that's you true. know, uh, the, the various generals who... Uh, come to the show here and and discuss things and everything from the intelligence community, from the Air Force. They, when they speak together and they're from the same units, you see them speaking completely different than when they're speaking with somebody from a different. This is normal. This also happens in the West, by the way, within the military construct, the Mm -hmm. tribal construct, if you will. Yes. But when you look here and you understand that this entire area, okay, is 
utilized by Iran in order to establish its interest. Just to get perspective, Yemen, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon are very much under Iranian dominion from many aspects. However, the main battle is over Iraq because uh, the majority of Iraqis, they don't want Iran. Mm -hmm. Iran lost heavily in the last parliamentary elections, okay? Mm -hmm. um, the head of the Quds Force came to Iraq, spoke with al-Sadr, the, the victor, basically, of, of uh, the elections, uh, elections uh, or his party. He is a nationalist, anti-American, anti-Iranian. He doesn't want anyone. He wants Iraq, mm -hmm. period. He's a Shiite. So he came to speak with him. He said, I'm not willing to speak with you about anything else than Iran respecting Iraqi sovereignty. Oh, wow. So it's quite interesting. But what is also interesting is that you have the organizations, Hashti Shabi, uh, which is 44 alliances. In those 44, alli uh, 44 militias within uh, an alliance oh, wow. okay. of the popular mobilization forces, they call them, mm -hmm. there are Turkmen alliances, okay, who are loyal to Iraq, but also loyal to Turkey. You have Christian alliances, uh, militias, you have Sunni militias, and you have also uh, Yazidi militias, and you have Shiite militias. Mm -hmm. The Shiite militias are the most powerful ones. There is a struggle between, you know, Qatayb Hezbollah and Shuhada and various organizations between their loyalty towards Iraq and towards Iran. So there is also that issue. But if we really look at the situation is, in order to make affiliations, tribal mm -hmm. affiliations, there is a shift of demogra uh, demographics, okay? Okay. During a battlefield, um, if you're talking about uh, the the battle over Mosul, for mm -hmm. instance, Hashti Shabi wanted to go in and sweep out everything there. The problem is that during uh, the various battles undertaken by Hashtashabi, the Shiites exterminated Sunnis and drove them away. Okay? Mm -hmm. So suddenly you have Shiite families of those same soldiers coming and living in their place. So they changed the demographic population. The areas of Iraq, Syria, and Le uh, Lebanon, more Iraq and Syria. Lebanon is still very uh, yeah. segregated and there's a lot of scrutiny there. But Iraq and Syria are becoming more and more Shiite. Mm -hmm. If you establish that together with Iran, you suddenly have a northern crescent of Shiite oh, wow. countries. The majority of those who fled Syria, the millions and millions, are Sunnis. Mm -hmm. If they come back, they'll find Shiites living in their, in house. their houses and yes. taking their jobs. The majority are Afghans and, and those areas. But we need to understand that there is a lot at play at this stage. And all of this is being done with an umbrella <laughs> of Iran potentially breaking out to a nuclear weapon. And if they gain a nuclear weapon, it means that the whole story of, of the Middle East will change will radically. They will act with impunity and yes. doing everything they want. So we need to keep that in mind. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Yes, so really thank you for this uh, insightful information. And thank you, our viewers back at home. And as always, we encourage you to pray, to study, to learn, to see what's going on in the Middle East. And I'll see you next time for another episode of Editor's Note.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.